Welcome to Calvary Chapel of Columbia, where we're unpacking God's truths one verse at a time. And now here's Pastor Tim with today's message. I want to welcome you all who are joining us online, and uh, we're so grateful that we have the technology to be able to do this, and the Lord is good. And uh, I just want to encourage you, man. Uh, it's uh, easy to just kind of let things slip by and let this be a flipping time, but man, this is worship to God, and worship can happen at any place, any time. Does not have to be in a building. It is. It, it should not be, uh, you know, completely and totally focused on a building. Actually, it really should be a, a way of life for us. And so, no matter how we're watching, listening, or whatever, however the case might be that you are tuning in today, uh, listen. Worship God. You know, raise your hands at home. I want to hear amens and hallelujahs, and uh, you know, so as we're preaching the word today. So, uh, you know, this is worship to the Lord, and, and we're before his throne. So I just want to encourage you today. Um, just a couple announcements before we get going real quick, church. Uh, you know, we don't know what the future holds, but as I've been saying, we know who holds the future. So uh, with that said, we do want to uh, remind you all that, um, you know, we're not sure what is going to transpire in the next few weeks or a few months or whatnot, but we are working to... Uh, try and develop some sort of connectiveness um, outside of the four walls of this church. And we are considering doing a, a Zoom Bible study. So if you would be interested in that, will you just uh, either send us a reply on our Facebook, on our, our YouTube, and, uh, you know, it'd be something that I would host and you could log into and we could do a Bible study together. It would be interactive. It's video hosted so we could see each other. And uh, you'd actually have to get dressed and stuff, so that'd be, that might be different for you. I don't know if it is or not, but uh, that we're kind of considering doing something like that just to be connected together. And uh, so if, that, if you'd be interested in that, let me know. And uh, we're going to be developing some things here this week to help us better connect with one another and, you know, as we continue to work through all that's going on in our world today. Um, I also want to just remind you that... Uh, you know, although there are seasons and times for everything, that we want to be uh, reminded t today that, you know, hey, we will gather again one day, and it would be easy for us to just, uh, you know, utilize technology, say, hey, this is pretty convenient for me. I'd like to just hang out here. Well, listen, when we, we're able to come back, I hope that you're going to come back. I hope you're going to bring all your neighbors that you're ministering to, too. So, uh, you know, we, we just want to encourage you, use this time for the glory of God. Use this time to minister to those around you. Maybe the purpose of what God is doing here today is that he's shaking the church up to get us outside of the four walls of the church so we can minister to the neighborhood, to our neighbors, to our coworkers, and all of those people in uncertain times. Uh, we don't know, again, what holds the future, but what we do know is there is hope in Jesus Christ. If you are a believer today, you have words of hope. Jesus said that we have the words of life, man. And so let's go out and give that to people around us. Now, uh, just a reminder that this month is uh, our ministry focus for missions is K for K, kid, uh, Care for Kids. And they are, um, listen, we just sent them a check this last week for 375 bucks. Thank you so much, man, for, for, for blessing them thus far. And uh, we're, we want to continue to bless them. I know that they're in Africa and in Kenya. They're feeling the same kind of affects we are as far as their economy. And, and the government has given uh, Church Missions Network the uh, authority to continue to feed these children during this time. And so we want to do what we can to help support them. So if you'd like to continue to support that, again, you can send your check into Calvary Chapel, 1028 Nashville Highway, Columbia, Tennessee, 38401. Or you can go to our website and you can select the Give button, which is on the top right corner. And that's how you can give your tithes, your offerings uh, to the Lord, and you can also contribute to K4K. So make sure you do that. Um, just so blessed to see what God is doing, even in the midst of this. Tons of different testimonies of what God is doing. Um, but uh, we just want to do what we can to bless those around us as well. So let's shine our lights, man. Let that people might see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Amen? If you have a Bible... Open up to, with me to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, 
2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and we're continuing our Stand Firm series. This is a verse-by-verse study through the book of 2 Thessalonians, and man, how relevant it is, I think, considering what's going on in our world today. You know, uh, it's interesting how the Lord does that, that um, isn't isn't it funny how God's Word applies in every aspect of your life, and you know, we didn't plan to be in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 when the coronavirus popped open. You know, we didn't, we didn't plan that, and we obviously uh, had no idea it was coming. We also um, know that, you know, uh, we didn't go to this book because of what was going on. This is where we are, going verse by verse through the Bible. So th- this is an encouragement to you that God's Word will meet you right where you are. It's so interesting, the relevance of what is going on in our world today and, how, and what we're talking about in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, you know, we're, we're wondering here what in the world is going on, right? We, we, we've been saying that for, for years and years and years. And for 2,000 years, people have been saying, Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And when things like this happen, all of a sudden, we wonder, God, what are you doing? Well, guess what? He's moving the eschatological timepieces around the pieces of the puzzle, putting them in place so that he can continue to bring forth his plan. At the very least, that is exactly what God is doing. Now, I don't know if you saw this, but um, we don't know when, when Jesus is going to come back. Let me just say that first. You know, what we're called to, to be is to be ready. The imminent return of Christ, that means that it could happen at any moment. Jesus could come get his church ushering in the tribulation period. We're pre-tribulation people. We believe that Jesus will take his church from the world before the, um, before the tribulation period begins. And so the rapture will happen uh, hopefully that way. We believe it that way. That's the way we see it in Scripture. And so we have plenty of reasons why we believe that scripturally. But, um, you know, listen, we don't know when that day will be. Jesus just said, be ready. Be watchful. Be ready. It can happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It can happen five or a hundred years from now. We don't know the day or the hour, but we know the season. And we're looking around and we're thinking, oh my, look at what is going on in our world today, Lord. I don't know if you saw what I posted on Facebook uh, yesterday about the ex-prime minister of, uh, of, of uh, Britain, Gordon Brown. He called for, listen a temporary global government to resolve both medical and economical crisis caused by the coronavirus pandemic. He's calling for a temporal uh, global government. Listen, this isn't the first time that conversation has come up. This conversation continues to happen over and over and over again. Listen. This will happen. There will be a one world government at some point. And again, what is God doing? He's moving pieces of the puzzle around. He's putting things in place for the return of his son. And so as we consider these things, we don't, we don't, we don't uh, mention these kinds of things because we're trying to scare people. We mention these kinds of things because we're trying to inform people that the Bible is being played out right before our eyes. And yet many people are like, what is it, frogs, right, that are stuck in a water and they slowly begin to turn the temperature up and, they, and before they know it, they die because they've been boiled. And yet the Lord is continuing to reveal that His Son is coming soon. And He's letting us know that. Look around at the world today. God is telling us these are signs. Jesus said these kinds of signs would happen. Matthew 24, verses 3 through uh, 14. You can read that later. But listen, these things, all the things that are going on in our world today are all meant to get us to look up, to be reminded that all of this is temporary, that God has a bigger plan, and that he's at work. And so it's just interesting that um, we're in this place today in our scripture, and, and we're, we're talking about uh, the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the first thing Paul said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. He also mentions uh, in, the, in uh, that text there, he also mentions the, the revealing of the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, 
who is the Antichrist. And so we're, we're talking about really the beginning of the end. That is what I've entitled this sermon. We are in part two here today. So why don't we do this? Let's read our text, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to pick it up in verse 1. And would you stand with me? And we're going to read the word of God now. In reverence of the Lord, here's what it says. Chapter 2, verse 1. Now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him, we ask you, brothers, not to be quickly shaken in mind or alarmed, either by a spirit or a spoken word or a letter seeming to be from us, to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Let no one deceive you in any way. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first. The man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know what is restraining him now, so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders. And with all wicked deceptions for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and to be saved and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Father, we thank you for your word now. We ask you, Lord, to to help uh, uh, us to understand it. Lord, we ask you to give me a specific revelation by the power of your Holy Spirit that you would speak, Lord, through this text to our hearts today. God, we just want to hear from you today. So will you help unveil the truths that are found here? And will you speak directly into our hearts? Lord, we open ourselves up to you now. Have your way, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Why are we standing up at home? Well, because we're doing church. All right, the second, this is the second part of, uh, again, the sermon series, uh, the sermon entitled from last week, the beginning of the end. By way of reminder, Paul's writing to uh, these believers in Thessalonica regarding some questions and concerns they have about end times. He, he's writing essentially from a pastoral standpoint. Why do I say that? Because oftentimes, when any time end times is brought up, people tend to sensationalize things. They try and, uh, you know, make them more than what they are. Paul is writing as a pastor to people who are concerned, who are, who are literally shaken in their minds. They're alarmed because they're under the false impression that, that they have missed the rapture and that actually the tribulation period has begun. They're confused. Paul, as their pastor, wants to inform them so that they can have peace and they can have understanding relating to the day and the time in which they're living. And so he writes to them trying to bring, the, to, to bring their minds to a place of peace, to bring comfort to their hearts uh, so that they can uh, trust that they are not in the tribulation period, that they have not missed the rapture. So the way that he does that is he speaks to them regarding some things that have to happen in order for the beginning of the end to take place. Now, as we talked about last week, the first thing that I think is very clear, the, the command that Paul says to these guys, and it's the same command that the Holy Spirit is giving us today, and it is this, let no one deceive you in any way. Let no one deceive you in any way. That means that we have to put up our guard regarding deception. Why? Because it's everywhere. It always has been and always will be. Deception comes from the father of lies who is Satan himself. He is the great deceiver and thus every falsehood that exists 
in our world today from evolution to abortion to the many false religions that are, are around our world today to the false hope and security that they're offering are all deceptions from Satan devised to cause us to lose hope and give up on the one true living God. Listen, that means that every dark thought that you might have about your life not being worth anything is a deception from the enemy. To believe that you were an accident, that you have no purpose, is a deception. It's not so. How do I know? Because the Bible tells me so. How do we, de how do we battle deception from the enemy? Through the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for me. I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. The Word of God. It is our sword, our shield against all falsehood, folks. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. It slices and dices the lies of the enemy into pieces. Let me illustrate. We went through this last week, but I'm going to do it again. Regarding evolution, the Bible tells us that we didn't just accidentally happen, that we came from nothing. No, we have a creator. Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Boom, roasted. Regarding abortion, the Bible says that we are to choose life, Deuteronomy 30, 19. That it's not okay to murder. Exodus chapter 20, verse 13. You shall not murder. Boom, roasted. Regarding false religion, that there is only one way to the Father, and his name is Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Boom, roasted. Regarding our value and worth, that God cares so much about us, that we're so valuable to him, that he gave his son for us. Romans chapter 5, verse 8, God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Say it with me. Boom. Roasted. And finally, regarding purpose, that our lives have divine purpose. We were created by God for something you're not just here coincidentally. God created and designed you for something specific. Jeremiah chapter 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And finally, boom, roasted. Every single deception the enemy throws out at us, we can defend through the word of God. Can I get an Amen. Amen. All right. Listen, Satan's lies fall apart under the scrutiny of God's word. This is how we battle deception in our lives through the Bible. Uh, you might know that we support a ministry called of Out of Egypt Ministries. It is, uh, uh, the, it is a ministry of Patty Height, who is a former practicing homosexual, who identified as a man. And listen, she, when she tells her story, she makes it very, very clear. I was deceived into thinking that I was supposed to be a man because I was, you know, interested in women and all of these sorts of things. She understood through the Spirit of God that, that what she was encountering in her life was actually deception. She was believing a lie for a period of time in her life, but... God shined his word into her heart and all of a sudden that deception began to fall apart and her eyes were open to the truth. I love the motto of her ministry. It's, it's this, from the depths of deception to the triumphs of truth. I love that she, just as the children of Egypt were brought out of, uh, just as the children of Israel were brought out of Egypt, so too are we being brought out of the deceptive lies of the enemy. By the marvelous light of God's word. That's what uh, you do when you're looking for answers to life's questions, folks. You don't find yourself in the self-help section of Barnes & Noble. No, we go to the Bible, the word of God. It has the answers that we need. 
Now, we talked about deception at length last week. And so if you missed it, you can go to our website, ccolumbia.org. You can uh, check it out there. or You can go to our Facebook or YouTube channels, and you can watch the archive live stream from there. But uh, um, I want to continue on as we work through these, the, the rest of these verses, Paul debunking the idea that these folks have missed the rapture. And, and, and so he gives them some concrete evidences regarding what must happen first prior to the Antichrist being revealed and why he can't be revealed currently. And so I broke these 12 verses down into three sections. Uh, and, and the first verses 1 through 4, you can write this down, under the title, the, the deception, under the heading, I should say, verses 5 through 7, the prevention, and finally, verses 8 through 12, the delusion. We're going to look at the last part of... Uh, the first point, the deception here, before we move into the, the second two, um, draw your attention to verse 3 here. We didn't really get it much into this last week, but here we go. For that day will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And we talked about the first part of this verse last week. Go listen to it later. But, but the rebellion has to come first. What is that rebellion? Some people believe that that's the rapture. The word rebellion literally means departure. Some people believe it's the rapture. Some pe people believe that it's a departure from the faith. Listen, I happen to believe that God could use that word to mean both of them. Uh, you don't have to believe that, and I wouldn't bet my life on it, but... It makes a lot of sense to me considering the context of what Paul is saying here. He's talking about the rapture. He's talking about the fact that the rapture has to ha happen first before the tribulation. Otherwise, if, that were, if he were mid-trib or post-trib, he would have told them, don't worry, guys, it will be over soon. But that's not what he says. He says, no, the rebellion must come first. Now, it could mean the rapture, but it also very well could mean and most probably does mean the departure of the faith. Paul told Timothy in, in um, 1 Timothy 4.1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons. I stressed this last week. I stressed this again. This is not talking about born-again believers who are departing the faith. This is talking about people who have never been redeemed before who thought they were Christians or played along like they were Christians, but they were not Christians. How can I make that statement? Because the Bible says so. 1 John chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us, for if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they, those who departed the faith, they all are not of us. What is John saying there? John is saying they were never of us. They were never sheep. In Jesus' fold, they were, shep or they were wolves in sheep's clothing. They were false Christians. They were people who went along through the program, but they never, ever were converted. They were never regenerated. They truly never sincerely confessed Jesus as Lord, believed in their heart that God raised him from the dead, so therefore they were never, ever born again. Jesus said you have to be born again if you want to go to heaven. These people were never born again. They departed the faith. They were one of those people in the, in the parable of the sower, the first three types of soil that Jesus speaks about. All three of them false believers. The only true believer in that parable is the very last one where Jesus said there was good soil and the, 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 the seed took root and it began to grow. That doesn't mean as a Christian you don't struggle. That doesn't mean as a Christian you don't um, have issues and that you don't fail. Uh, listen, I fail a lot. You know, and, and, and that has no bearing on my salvation. 
because I've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. And you can, that's how you can have assurance is when you know that ultimately that Christ has paid the price for you, not you. And I've put my heart in his hands. I have fully belonged to him. But I will not do things, everything perfectly, neither will you. It's not talking about being perfect. It's talking about being sincere. Are you sincere with the Lord today? Listen, it is time to stop playing games. People need to be woken up to the reality that there is truly two destinations after life. There is heaven and there is hell. And if you're not sincere with the Lord today and he does not belong, you don't belong to him and he does not know your name, doesn't matter if you know his name, the bigger question is, does he know your name? If he doesn't know your name, then you're not a believer. And so you need to search that out. That's why the Bible says, you know, to, to consider your salvation with fear and trembling. To really go before the Lord and ask him, Lord, am I totally redeemed? Listen, there are people that are departing the faith uh, they always have and they always will. Here's, here's a few examples. I don't know if you read this, but in January, uh, there's a, uh, the, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, publicly denounced his faith in Christ. And here's what he said. I don't know how you can believe in a God who wants to condemn most of the planet to a fiery hell. He is clearly misinformed and does not know the word of God because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world would be saved through him. John chapter 3, verse 17. And contrary to popular belief, God doesn't send people to hell. People choose to go there. It's a personal choice. We'll talk about that in a moment. Perhaps you're familiar with Rhett and Link, the famous YouTuber, podcasters with the show Good Mythical Morning. They recently came out and they have said, we are departing the faith of Christianity. There's just not enough evidence for it. When, you know, when I look at the evidence of evolution, I think that there's plenty of evidence there. And I never really looked at the other side too, too deeply. Listen, you still haven't looked at it too deeply. I promise you, because if you, you're believing that, you're falling for the lie. But unfortunately, they have. But here's the thing. They say we're hopeful agnostics. We're not sure. We're not sure. Both of them grew up in Christian homes, uh, said they gave professions of faith early in their lives, you know, five years old to eight years old or something like that. When I was eight years old, man, I, I'm not saying you can't be saved at that age, but I had no idea who Jesus was. I had no idea how deep my sin was. So, you know, there are some kids that come to Christ early and they don't depart the faith, but, but I'm just saying that that's just the evidence of the reality that their conversion was not real. What about Joshua Harris? We, read, we talked about him in July of 2019. He's a pastor, author. Departed the faith. Said he can no longer believe in, in a God who condemns the way he condemns. Listen, the reality of all of these people that we just spoke about in light of 1 John 2.19 is that they were never saved in the first place. This isn't me making something up. This is Scripture. This is me saying this is what the Scripture says. Paul said it like this also in 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen. He said, for there must be fac uh, factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized. What Paul is saying is that God allows a departure to prove who is genuine. And so there is going to be a departure, whether it's the rapture or, or, or the, the apostasy of people bolting from the fa their faith in Christ or their false faith in Christ, their false profession of faith. There will be a rebellion. And it has to, it has to come first before, Paul goes on to say, the Antichrist can be revealed. Who is this man Paul is calling the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, He's known in Scripture by many names. Daniel calls him the little horn. Daniel chapter 7, verse 8, and verse 24, and, and chapter 8, verse 9. He's also called the prince who is to come. Daniel chapter 9, verse 26. He is the king who does as he pleases. Daniel chapter 11, verse 36. He is the foolish, worthless shepherd. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 15 through 17. He is the beast. Revelation chapter 11, verse 7. 
Revelation 13, 1, 14, 9, and 19, 20, etc. Jesus calls him the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, Matthew, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Paul further describes him in verse 8 as the, the lawless one and the one who is coming in the accord with the activity of Satan, verse 9 of our chapter in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. He is best known to us and to the world as the Antichrist. Now, we don't know who this person will be other than Daniel tells us that he will be a king probably from a, a Roman descent. How do we know that? D Daniel chapter 7, verses 23 through 26, Daniel says, Thus he said, As for the fourth beast, there shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all the kingdoms, and it shall uh, devour the whole earth and trample it down and break it into pieces, just as the Roman Empire had done. And he goes, as for the ten horns, out of his kingdom, ten kings shall arise, and a, a, another shall arise after them. He shall be different from the former ones, and shall put down three kings. He shall speak words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and shall think to change the times and the law. And they shall be given into his hand for a time times and half a time that's three and a half years in case you're wondering what that means but the court shall sit in judgment and his dominion shall be taken away to be consumed and destroyed to the end this is what we know about who the antichrist might be he's going to be a world power a leader that's going to have all kinds of answers and he is going to be an operation through the activity of Satan, and he is going to do miracles and signs and wonders, and people are going to flock to him. He is going to be an incredible orator, and he is going to have all the answers people are looking for. But we don't know who he is. And here's what I want to say to you, church, is that we should spend zero time trying to figure out who the Antichrist is because it does not matter. To us, we are not looking for the Antichrist. We are looking for Jesus Christ. We should spend our time focusing on Jesus Christ, on what Jesus said we should be looking for, on what Jesus said how we should be living our lives. We should spend zero time trying to figure out who the Antichrist may be. He may be the Pope. We don't know. Who cares at the end of the day? Because Jesus never said, go on an endless pursuit to try and figure out who the Antichrist is. It's interesting to look at, you know, I, I, I'm not saying don't, don't, don't ever consider, but what I'm saying is, is don't spend a bunch of your time trying to figure that out. You know, just spend your time on looking for Jesus Christ. Spend your time trying to become more like Jesus Christ. That is what he has called us to. Jesus said we're to be ready for his appearing. Are you ready? Are you ready, church? He is coming in an hour we don't know. And so we're looking for him, and we need, we need to be ready. Now, Paul goes on to tell us a few characteristics about the Antichrist, things that we will know about him, as he, things that he will do. As the Antichrist, you know, is revealed to us, and he, he uh, you know, he, he, the Lord makes him known, here he is, this is what he will do, verse 4, he will oppose and exalt himself against every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God against, um, in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. What does that say? The Antichrist will be just that, Antichrist, against Christ. He will come against the people of God. He will come against those who represent God, and he will smush them. He will try and grind them into the ground. Why? Because he's anti-Christ. John warned us that there have been many, many antichrists who have come throughout the world. And man, we can look, and I'm going to name a few here that, that had the spirit of antichrist, as John talks about in uh, 1 John 4, 2 through 3. He says, by this you know the spirit of God. 
Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit, listen, that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is already is in the world already. So he is going to oppose himself. He's going to be Antichrist, right? And he's going to oppose himself against not just Christians, but notice it says against every so-called God or object of worship. Every so-called God or object of worship. That means that he is going to exalt himself above every other religion, false religion, uh, true religion. He is going to exalt himself above everything to the point that he will find himself, I believe, mid-tribulation, three and a half years into the tribulation period, he will find himself on the temple mount, walking into the temple, telling people, I am the most high God. You should worship me. And he will have a false prophet that will begin to, you know, dole out the, the, the false prophecies and the, the false religion of, of who this beast is. And they're going to, they're gonna, you know, call for the worshiping of the image of the beast. This is the very activity of Satan, is it not? This is what Satan wanted from the beginning. Remember, he stormed the throne and he said, I will become like the Most High God. And Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. It will not happen. I know you know this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Satan is not equal to God. Satan is a created being. Satan may be equal in power and might to Michael the archangel, but he is not equal to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. Satan is not Jesus Christ's brother. Satan is a created being created by the very breath of Jesus Christ, who is the creator of all. Satan is not equal to God. And so just as he tried to storm the throne room in heaven and make himself to become like the Most High God, He's still at work trying to do that. His vision is still being cast. He's still trying to become like the Most High God. And he will take this world and he will try and mold it into that fashion. But he, and he will be successful for a period of three and a half years. Three and a half years he will see success. People will worship him. Then he will be dealt with. Jesus said, again, this would happen mid-trib. He said in Matthew 24, verse 15 through 22, So when you see the abomination of desolation, this is the Antichrist spoken of by the prophet Daniel, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let the one who is on the housetop not go down to take what is his house, what is in his house, and let the one who is in the field not turn back to take his cloak. For alas, the woman are, for women who are pregnant and for those who are nursing infants in those days, pray that your flight may not be in winter or on a Sabbath. Listen, verse 21. For then there will be great tribulation such has not been from the beginning of the world until now. No, and never will be. And if those days had not been cut short, no human being would be saved. But for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. This, I believe, is speaking about the second half of the tribulation period called the Great Tribulation, where the judgment of God intensifies immensely upon those last three and a half years. The Antichrist, according to Daniel chapter 9, verses 26 and 27, makes a peace treaty for one week. That is seven years. And it's, Daniel says that three and a half years into that peace treaty, he breaks the peace treaty with Israel, and he declares himself to be God. Jesus is saying the exact same thing in Matthew chapter 24, verses 15 through 24, 22 there. Who would want to be here? Who would want to be here during this time? Not this guy, for sure. And I'm glad that I won't be. I believe that I will be in heaven with all the other true believers in this world, and we will be raptured out of here, and we will be basking in the sun, S-O-N. Amen? So we've considered the deception. Now let's consider the prevention. What is keeping him from being revealed besides the rebellion? There is yet another at work restra uh, today restraining him from surfacing. Look at verse 5. Do you not remember 
that when I was still with you, I told you these things, and you know what is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. Notice Paul says, remember what I taught you. He's beckoning backwards. He's saying, you already have this information. You're just not walking in it. How true is that of you today? What information do you have? What things do you need to be reminded of yourself that you're not walking in today? Listen, God has given us all that we need for life and godliness. He's given everything that we need for peace and comfort. He has given us everything in His Word through His Son. The question is, do we need to be reminded of it today? Remember. Remember what the Lord has said to you. And find comfort and peace in that. Paul says, I taught you about the Antichrist and what must happen and the fact that there is a restrainer that has to be taken out of the way. That, res that word restrainer literally means something is holding back the Antichrist from being revealed. This isn't a something, rather, but this is a someone that is holding the Antichrist back from being revealed. And I'll show you why in a minute. First, let's consider this, that the, the fact that Paul is saying that, that there is a restrainer in the world that's holding back the, uh, the Antichrist from being revealed means this, that the Antichrist is probably alive today. He probably has been alive for 2,000 years. Not, not the same person, but the, the, the enemy has had an antichrist probably in every generation of people as he's risen up. And, and we could name some of those people. People like Antiochus Epiphanes, the king of Syria, who after capturing Jerusalem in 167 B.C. offered a pig on the altar in the temple of God to Zeus. Abomination of desolation. What about Nero? Persecuting the church. Calling himself God. Domitian. Moving it up into our time. Stalin. Hitler. All poised to be Antichrist. Operating in the influence and the power of Satan. If you read any kind of biography about um, about Hitler's life. Uh, there are generals that served him and, and many, many other people have served him. You can look this up. They talk about him talking about a, a presence in his life that's going to overtake the world. He was satanic. He was being uh, on, on, under the operation of Satan himself. And there's some books on that that will scare the living daylights out of you to hear the things that he said and the things that he did in his own privacy. There's a restrainer that's in the world today. Let's understand from our text who that restrainer might be. Paul proclaims that he's a person. He uses the personal pronoun, he he is a restrainer. Only he who now restrains it, the end of verse 7, will do so until he's taken out of the way. It's a he. So someone is restraining the Antichrist. Notice something else. That he has to be moved out of the way. He has to be taken out of the way, indicating motion and a change of state. Now this can only fit a couple people in my mind, in my opinion. And this is my opinion. But I believe that uh, this, very, this could be, I, it's not my personal, I don't ascribe to this, but some believe that this could be Michael the archangel who is the great prince in charge of the nation of Israel according to Daniel chapter 10 verses 21 and Daniel 12 verse 1. Daniel perhaps is protecting. Or Daniel, I'm sorry. Mar Michael the archangel is possibly that one. But I don't think that we're talking worldwide restrainer here. He seems to be the prince over Israel. So maybe a more appropriate interpretation of what I consider to be the restrainer is the Holy Spirit. 
listen, who isn't necessarily taken out of the world in, in terms of being removed, but he's moved and changed into a different state. Through the rapture of the church, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit currently. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. We are the, whole, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and when the church is removed from the world, the Holy Spirit will still be present. But there will be a period of time where there will be no single person on earth indwelt with the Holy Spirit for a period of time, a very brief period of time, I believe. People will be getting saved in the tribulation period. There will be tribulation period saints. We know at least 144,000 Jews will be saved and will be sealed with the Holy Spirit for the proselytizing of the gospel, through, for proclaiming of the gospel through the world. The Holy Spirit will still be convicting the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. But he will not be doing it through the church as he is today. Today, much of what is being battled here in our world today, here in our own country, a morality and all of that is happening through the church. The church is rising up and saying no to abortion. The church is rising up and saying no to these things. It's the Holy Spirit in activation through the church that is doing these things. It's not the church itself, but it's the Holy Spirit through the church. So perhaps the Lord takes the Holy Spirit working through the church out of the way, and the restrainer is able to be, the, the restrainer is out of the way now so that the Antichrist can be revealed. That is what I believe is going to be the case. Now let's consider our final point here the delusion. Look at verse 8. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends him a strong delusion so that they may Believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Notice then, Paul says, after what? The restrainer is taken out of the way. Then and only then will the man of lawlessness, the son of destruction, be revealed. What we've learned about this revealing of the Antichrist thus is that the rebellion must come first, then the restrainer must be taken out of the way, which I believe happens simultaneously. I could be wrong, but it, it could be a departure of the faith, perhaps, the, the, the rebellion and then the rapture, or it could be all of that at the same time. But then Paul says, then the lawless one will be revealed. But listen, his appearing will be short-lived for Jesus Christ himself will kill him with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. Jesus will show up and he will speak and it will be so, just as he did at the beginning of creation. I don't know that we have to imagine this big battle of Jesus taking his sword out and swinging his sword. I believe the sword is his mouth. It comes from his mouth, the Bible says in Revelation. He will speak and it will be done. He will devour the enemy with his words. The enemy is no match for, for Jesus. Not now and not then. That means that's why John 1 John 4, 4 tells us, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. There is power in the name of Jesus over every principality, power, ruler of darkness. We call upon the name of Jesus, the name above every other name. Demons flee at the name of Jesus. Check this out, though. Paul goes on to tell us about the attributes of the lawless one. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs 
and wonders. Listen, the, the Antichrist will sway, sway the nations by the activity of Satan who can transform himself into an angel of light, by the way. He's so deceptive that he can make you think whatever is going on in your life that it's God. He can display power. He can display signs and wonders in supernatural form. That's why we don't follow after signs and wonders. Because signs and wonders will lead you astray. Signs and wonders follow after us. We don't follow after signs and wonders. The enemy himself has deceived so many into proclaiming that this is the Holy Spirit when it is not the Holy Spirit, the activity of the Holy Spirit and doing all kinds of crazy things. If it's not in Scripture, then I would reject it. If it's not in Scripture, then at the very least, I would be skeptical that, that anything that people proclaim is the work of the Holy Spirit that isn't proclaimed in Scripture anywhere. Or at least, you know, somewhat, you know, I can't even think of the word like assumed or something like that, that word. Then we should reject that. The Word of God is our filter for everything even the activity of the Holy Spirit in our lives. The Holy Spirit will lead us into all truth. He will always exalt Jesus Christ, always. And so people pro out there proclaiming where they're exalting themselves, exalting man, and, oh, yeah, that's the Holy Spirit. That is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit exalts Christ. He exalts Christ. Listen, there, the, the false signs and wonders that the Antichrist will do will be the exact same false wonders that Janies and Jambres did before Moses. You remember that. Go back and read about the Exodus when Janies and Jambres pulled up with their dark magic and they did all kinds of signs and wonders to a point. They were able to make a staff turn into a serpent just like God did. How easy it would be for us to be swayed by signs and wonders if we did not have the Word of God. Listen, Satan is already doing these types of things. But in the tribulation period, this is going to intensify. Listen, through wicked deception. Through wicked deception. Not to believers, but to... to for we have the Spirit of God in us. He is, again, the restrainer. He's the one that... Re he's the revealer of truth. It's not to believers that are, are going to experience this wicked deception. It's to the rest of the world. Listen to this. Who refuse? That's an emphatic word. Absolutely reject. I refuse to love the truth and so be saved. I refuse it. I absolutely don't want anything to do with it. I wonder... If that's you today, do you refuse the love and the truth so much that you will reject the love of God who sent His Son to die on a cross and to rise again from the dead for you personally? That is the gospel. That is the message that we receive or we reject. That is the truth. Everything boils down to that one message. Who do you say Jesus is? And is He your Lord? Or is he, your, is he something else to you? He has to be your Lord. Otherwise, you are refusing to believe the truth and so be saved. No matter what is said in this time, no matter what is said in this time period, people will absolutely refuse to believe the gospel. Why? It goes on to tell us why. Because God has sealed their fate. God has sealed their fate just as he did Pharaoh's heart. Again, re, re, just taking you back to the ten plagues and the exodus there. God confirmed the heart of Pharaoh. But what I want you to notice is if you read these accounts, the first five plagues, you'll notice that Pharaoh hardened his heart. The first five plagues, go back and read it, Pharaoh hardened his heart. But when you get to the sixth plague, 
immediately. It says, then the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart. What am I saying? What I'm saying is that there comes a point in which the Lord will confirm your choice. Where the Lord will say, you refuse to love the truth and so be saved. You refuse to do it. And thus, I will make your decision sure. And so God will send strong delusion in order that they may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Wow. God Himself will send them a strong delusion, meaning He will allow them to fully embrace the lie, not just rejecting the truth, but by, full embracing, by fully embracing it and becoming disciples of the beast. MacArthur comments on this passage, which I think is very telling. This is salvation we're talking about. He says, they will be abandoned by God to the consequences of their choice to reject the gospel. They will be abandoned by God to the consequences of their choice to reject the gospel. Listen, the gospel is offered freely to all. Freely to all. This is what he's saying. But the gospel is also able to be rejected freely by all. This is what is known as man's responsibility or human responsibility. The Bible tells us in John 6, that the Father must draw us unto salvation. No one can come to the Father unless he's drawn, Jesus said. But at the very same token, the other side of the coin, we have to respond. Anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13, Acts 2, 21. You have a responsibility. God draws. And you, if you refuse to, to love the truth and so be saved, eventually the Lord will shut that door. When is that going to happen? I don't know. I'm not God. But I know that's the case. We see it in Scripture. And the Lord says in this time, in this period, in the tribulation time period, the Lord will shut the door on those who have fully rejected the gospel, who want nothing to do with God. Not because God is limiting them. He's allowing them to make their choice, and they have made their choice. So I end with this. There is great danger, incredibly great danger in hardening your heart against the gospel, folks. If you continue to suppress the truth with unrighteousness, God will give you up to it. God will give you up to it. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. If you hear this message today and are not yet saved, may today be the day. You're not guaranteed tomorrow. Listen, we are living in crazy times, but I promise you this is nothing in comparison to what it will be like in these days. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, today is the day of salvation. Do not harden your heart, but fully receive Him today. The worship team is going to come up, and as they do, I want you to listen to some words that are written by the Apostle Paul to the believers who were in Rome. It's Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 18. I want you to hear what God had done to those who had fully rejected what His Word was. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world, in the things that have been made, so that they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor Him as God. 
or give thanks to him. But they became futile in their thinking and foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Listen, therefore, God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring their bodies among themselves because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those who are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. Verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, hearers of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, Faithless, heartless, ruthless, though they know God's righteous decree. And those who practice such things deserve to die. They not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word this morning. It's a sobering word, Lord. It's a word that is meant to draw us to a place of great contemplation, Lord. Where are we with you? You want nothing more to be reconciled to us. You have done everything in your power besides force us to believe. You have sent your son to die on a cross. You have given all kinds of people to come in, into our lives, to intercede for us, to speak into our lives the truth of the gospel. You have miraculously shown yourself to us over and over and over again and so often, Lord, we have rejected you. We have refused, Lord, to believe the truth. And as a believer, Lord, I want to ask you to forgive me for that this morning. Refusing to believe the truth. We repent, Lord. Turn our hearts, Lord, from unbelief to belief this morning. Whatever it is that we are struggling with, God, you are bigger. You are good, and you are at work, Lord, and we can trust you. Let us not fall for the lie. Let us not believe the deception of the enemy today, Lord. For all of the believers, Lord, that are listening to this now, Lord, we pray that our eyes would be wide open to you today. That you would help us to be ready for your coming. Lord, if we have been off track, Lord, forgive us. Lord, put people in our lives that we can minister to. God, help us to get on mission today. Lord, do whatever is necessary to help us Get back on track to be, to be doing, uh, to be about the Father's business. We have a job to do, Lord. Fan the flame of our heart this morning. Baptize us in your spirit, God. Give us a, a heart that would weep over the lost, Lord. Give us a heart that would plead on our knees for those who don't know you, Lord. Put your kindness in our hearts, Lord, that we would minister to those around us, Lord, that don't deserve it. Lord, I don't want to end this without giving the opportunity for anyone today to come to know you. Today is the day of salvation. 
you desire that no one would perish, but all would come to repentance. The gospel is this, that we are desperately wicked people. And we are so distant from you, God, that there's no possible way for us to get back to you. And so you made a way for us to. You sent your own son who lived a sinless life, who literally took our place in all perfection and lived sinlessly for us and then he replaced us on the cross to take your wrath, to pay the penalty of our sin. And he died a brutal death for us because our sin is that wicked. But then, Lord, on the third day, he rose again from the dead. Thank you, Lord. That is the gospel message. That is the hope that we have. That your word tells us that if we will put our faith in Jesus Christ, we will believe upon Jesus today in all sincerity of heart, confessing him as Lord, believing in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And so if that's you, and you're listening to this right now, and you're saying, I'm not sure, you reach out to God right now. Don't wait for another moment. You say, God, I am a sinner. I am desperately wicked, and I need to be cleansed today, Lord. I want my sins wiped away. I want to be made new today, Lord. I want my heart to reflect the heart of Jesus. Will you forgive me for my sins, Lord? I'm turning away from my sin now. And I'm turning my heart to you. And I'm giving myself over to you. I confess Jesus Christ as Lord. That he came and he died on the cross for me and that he rose again from the dead for me. And I want, I'm proclaiming My life is yours now, Lord. Have your way in me. Thank you for saving me, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. You can hear more of Pastor Tim's studies through the Word of God on our website, www.calvaryofcolumbia.org. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you'll join us again as we continue to study God's Word.